something different, go a different direction. Uh, but the Lord laid on my heart to teach tonight on ruling and reigning in life. Talk about ruling and reigning in life. Hallelujah. So that's going to be that's going to be good. Turn to Romans chapter five, verse seventeen. We thank you, Lord, for ordering our steps in your word. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Romans 5, 17. How do y'all like our new sign? Uh, that was, I mean, for the, for the amount of money we, I mean, I wanted a Gilgal sign. But, you know, I really did. That is what I wanted. And we priced it, and I think it was 28000 So, uh, you know, you know that sign, that Gilgal sign, does not look near as big as that thing is. I mean, Pastor was telling me that the letters on it where they put are a foot tall. The letter, you know, those where they put different messages. And I really wanted Gilgal sign. And I tell you what, those people were smart because there ain't nobody in Tuscaloosa County would know where Gilgal was if it wasn't for that sign. And so them buying that, because have you ever drove down there and seen Gilgal? It is way on down there. And when you get there, you didn't find nothing. Uh, but hallelujah. But they got this wonderful sign that you think, man, you're going to go down there and there's going to be another Valley View or something down there. And the, no, no, it's not. But uh, hallelujah. They invested in that little piece of property or whatever and put that sign. I'm sure they didn't pay that much for it, but I'm sure it was bad even when they bought it. But it's Prices have gone up. <laughs> so for what we invested in it, I think we got a good thing. And if we're still not finished, it's going to have a border or something on it. So, But it's getting worked on. <clears throat> we're getting there. Hallelujah. I do want to remind uh, the uh, those of you that have assignments, prayer assignments, that remember, y'all need to turn your scriptures into me. Hallelujah. Uh <clears throat> You'd think the pastor could get his prayer assignment done. When I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, we're going to get those scriptures together and make them available for everybody. But some of you have a prayer assignment to get some scriptures together for me. And that's nearly ready. It's coming together. And that's going to have to do with our prayer, our prayer wheel and those prayer targets. And uh, man, that's going to be powerful. It already is. I've already been praying those. And it's really been giving me direction in my prayer as far as praying for the church and how to focus. You know, sometimes we need to get a, we pray too broadly. And we need to get a laser focus on what it is we're believing God for. Amen. Okay, are we in Romans 5 verse 17? It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. This is one of my favorite scriptures. For if by one man's offense, that was Adam, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We need to build this scripture into our very being. Mark this scripture in your Bible and read this scripture and build it, read it out loud and build it into the fabric of your being. But tonight I want to talk about a lot of things about ruling and reigning. But first thing I want to start with is the, with is the purpose. The purpose of ruling and reigning. It's like, well, what is the purpose in this? And the number one purpose, and the Holy Spirit talked to me about this, uh, just really brought this up in my heart. 
uh, about a week ago, the number one purpose in ruling and reigning is to advance the kingdom. Advance the kingdom. Uh, we are all called to, the, uh, to advance the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God is not stationary. It does not stagnate, but it's moving all the time. And we're taking new ground. And the number one reason God wants us to rule and reign in the earth is He wants us to advance the kingdom of God. And uh, the Holy Spirit said to me one morning, He said, if it advances the kingdom, it advances you. And it, it, it just look out at anything. Anything you're doing, Anything you're putting your time in, anything you're putting your money in, anything you're doing, if it advances the kingdom, it advances you. And if it, and here's the Holy Spirit, then He said, if it doesn't advance the kingdom, eventually it'll set you back. If it doesn't advance the kingdom, eventually it'll set you back. And you know, some of the times some things set us back, but it doesn't happen immediately. So we think, oh, you know, uh, this thing I'm watching or this thing I'm doing, it's not really hurting me. But if it's not advancing the kingdom in your life or, uh, or, or just advancing, I, I, we have to get a, um, mentality that, um, <clears throat> that we are co-laborers. First Corinthians 3 9. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says we're laborers together with God. And so He needs us. He needs us to advance the kingdom, not just for our own lives, but to advance the kingdom for other people and to do it just for Him, just for Him, just for Him, just to cause uh, His cause and His desires and His will, His will to be done in the earth. And uh, so, and he in First Corinthians three nine in the Ben Campbell Johnson. Well, in in the King James, it just says we are laborers together with Christ. Ben Campbell Johnson says we are co-workers with Him. The uh, a lot of versions say co-laborers, and for some reason, when I think of it, I just always come out with co-laborers. But um, actually, the King James just says laborers. Um, so if it advances the kingdom, it advances you. And if it doesn't advance the kingdom, it'll eventually set you back. We must never work against the kingdom. Hallelujah. And that, if we just say, you know, I'm going to commit, and I'm never going to work against the kingdom, that'll eliminate some things in our lives. One thing, it'll, it would for sure eliminate things like strife and things like that. Strife in the church or division or schism because that doesn't ever cause the kingdom to go forward. And, you know, even ministers, you know, that it, when when ministers get off and, and, and get into sin, you know, that, does, well, and I guess just all Christians, when they get into sin, that doesn't advance the kingdom. In fact, it, it hurts the kingdom. And it's a very dangerous thing to hurt the kingdom. And I know God forgives us and things like that, but, you know, it's, it's a setback for us. I know a lot of people that have fell into that trap of uh, falling out of the church and falling into sin, and I've never seen one yet that it wasn't a setback. Even when God forgave them, and even when there was a where was restoration, they still, you know, there was there was um, it, 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 it still their life wasn't the same as it would have been had they just kept on going and made different choices. So our decisions uh, must be based on. Uh, does this advance the kingdom? And here's what the Lord said to me. Does it advance the kingdom now? Because a lot of times we think, yeah, well, 
uh, this doesn't advance the kingdom right now, but maybe it would later. You know, you think about, uh, I've had people think about marrying someone and he wasn't a Christian or she wasn't a Christian. And it's like, no, and they think, well, yeah, but it might advance the kingdom someday. But God says to me, does it advance the kingdom now? Hallelujah. And you know, just because you know a few people that did marry somebody that wasn't saved and then it worked out doesn't mean that uh, there's any guarantees in that, in that, in that. Hallelujah. It's nearly like, well, uh, praise God. God does what He can. He sure does what He can to help you, but He can't always change somebody's will or cause them to go the right way. Matthew 6.33 says we're to seek first the kingdom of God. And think about, I think sometimes we think, well, that just means uh, go to church and pray and tithe and do that first. But um, really what he's saying there is seek ye first to advance the kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. So it's like when we have a decision to make, it's like, well, is this going to advance the kingdom? Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> so that's the number one reason and purpose for ruling and reigning. Let's talk about now our foundation for ruling and reigning because we need a scriptural foundation for ruling and reigning. And we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at some scriptures tonight on what is our foundation for ruling and reigning. How do we know we can? And um, hallelujah. Ephesians 2 and uh, I'm going to read this in two versions. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And then we'll read verses 4 through 6. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, he's telling us this is how we used to be. I don't know sometimes if we realize that before we were saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. That means dead spiritually. And we walked according to the course of this world and really according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, in our lives, the devil was calling the shots. And another place it says that the devil takes the, the sinner, the one that doesn't know God, he takes them captive at his will. Hallelujah. And uh, if, if you look over in Romans chapter 3, I didn't... Hallelujah. L uh, listen to this. as uh, Talking about uh, how we were before we were saved. I think sometimes it's important to know how much God fixed us and translated us out and, uh, you know, how, where we came from and what we would be. And sometimes we don't even realize this because if you got saved when you were eight or nine years old, you, you know, you don't see yourselves as that you were that big a sinner. But if, even if you weren't there yet, this is what you were headed for. Okay. It says in verse 10 of Romans 3, as it is written, written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So uh, even if you got saved at eight or nine, you can't say, oh, it wouldn't have happened to me. 
I wouldn't have been this way because he said, there's none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Now he's talking about the sinner here. He's not talking about you as the born again man. But we got to see what we would have been and what we were. Uh, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. The sinner doesn't understand and he doesn't seek after God. Um, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. It's they, the Bible says that the sinner man is unprofitable to God. They, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Hallelujah. I know sometimes we look out there and we go, well, um, <clears throat> they, uh, they, they are not saved, but they do good. Well, you know, <laughs> praise God. It's just, it's temporary. It might be just a temporary thing, but they cannot sustain goodness. A sinner cannot sustain goodness. And a sinner will often do good with a wrong motive. If you go below the good, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of movie stars, oh, they sent six million to Haiti. But, you know, it's not always because their heart said so it's and then the just goodness it's just the fact that that well that's what's good for publicity that's what's good for uh your your hollywood image and so forth and i'm not accusing every one of them of being that way but hallelujah it's funny that that it, you know it's funny that it's not done privately don't you think it's like it's funny that it has to be on national tv huh you know uh let's see Right? Do y'all kind of see it like that? Their throat is an open sepulcher. That means when they, they talk death. They got death coming out of their mouth. And with their tongues, they have used deceit. Deceitfulness. Hallelujah. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is cursing. Y'all notice that part especially. That the world, the sinner, that there's a lot of cursing that comes out of their mouth. I'm just disgusted to the bone with all of this cursing. I am, I'm disgusted at Vice President Biden. I'd like for the right, the right would to hammer him for his filthy mouth. And I know that Cheney did the same thing. Well, he's just, he, you know, hallelujah. It is unacceptable. I don't want to tell Carter to say, oh, you know, honor, honor the president and the vice president, you know, and then them use filthy, filthy language. That, that happened this week if y'all didn't hear it on TV. And their mouths are full of cursing. And he's supposed to be a good Catholic, isn't he? He needs to go to confession. Hallelujah and repent. Uh, whose mouth is full of cursing. It is, I mean, it is unacceptable. And bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. And oh, and, and you know, I'm not just picking on him. I mean, look at all, I don't like this foul language coming out of Hollywood and, you know, everywhere. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And so that's what the sinner's like. And that's what God has delivered us out of. And he delivered us from being that. Amen. And he delivered us over uh, to, to, to another way of life. Uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 6, through 4 through 6, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. Now let's read that part. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. 
Well, God still loves them, don't he? Even if they're cursing and doing all those things. And with his love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So even when we were dead in sins, Jesus already paid the price for us. Hallelujah. He had already paid the price. He loved us so much that even while we were, you know, it would have been so easy. And if he had been like us, he would have said, I'm not going to the cross for you. You are, you are, you know, you're not worth it. You're all those things we just read in Romans chapter three. But he said, no, he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Cause you know what he knew? He knew that it was, that it was not, it was not something we had chosen for ourselves, but that we had been born under that Adam, that Adam thing. Amen. Now, once you've had an opportunity to choose and you don't choose, that is even, that goes to a different realm when you turn God down after you've had opportunity. But we didn't do that. We didn't turn him down. When he came by and said, hallelujah, I want to save you out of this. Even just, if you think about it, little children it saying, I, I, I do, I want to accept Jesus Christ. I want to receive him. I know it blesses him so much. And he's thankful that he paid the price. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now that's one, that's, that's a foundational scripture for our ruling and for our reigning. Okay? And I'm going to read it to you from the Weymouth, because I, I think it will really shed light on it for you. Ephesians 2. It's, the Weymouth is hard to find scriptures. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. No, that's not. I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in three. Okay. To you also who were dead through your offenses and sins, which were once habitual to, while, to you while you walked in the ways of this world and obeyed the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that are now at work in the hearts of the disobedient, to you God has given life. And then verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the intense love which He bestowed on us, caused us, dead though we were through our offenses, to live with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved, raised us with Him from the dead, and enthroned us with Him in the heavenly realms as being in Christ Jesus. I like that. He enthroned us with Him. In Christ. Hallelujah. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We've got to see this foundation of ruling and reigning that we have. Because if you don't have the foundation for it, you won't rule and reign boldly. You won't see yourself that way. You know, before you can do Romans 5, 17, rule and reign as kings in this life, you got to see yourself in that position. you got to see yourself enthroned with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, that we've been enthroned with Him, that we've been seated with Him in heavenly places. In Romans 8, 37, it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
Hallelujah. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like it. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Through Him. Hallelujah. Say, I am more than a conqueror through Him. That more than a conqueror means you don't just conquer, you more than conquer. Hallelujah. That's a step above and beyond just conquering. In Ephesians uh, 2.6, we just looked at that, but just want to make a comment on it, where it says, uh, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, enthroned us together with Him, Weymouth says. You have to take note of this and build this, self, this into you, that the throne is your rightful position. Hallelujah. I know we don't feel that way. And I know religion teaches us that we teaches that you're a worm. Uh, a religion, and we don't want to de-emphasize the deity of Jesus and the deity of God and the divineness and, and, and the glory of God. But um, the religion puts him so high above us that we could never measure up and we are unworthy of him. And religion is also hung in the old covenant saying things like, well, your righteousness is as filthy rags. And certainly before you're saved, your righteousness was as filthy rags. But now you have a new righteousness that wasn't earned by you, but was given to you as a gift. Hallelujah. By the shed blood of Jesus. But if you listen to religion, it all Always tries to tear us down. You know we're uh, uh, we're just uh, sinners, old sinners saved by grace. Hallelujah! And I understand that that is sometimes how we feel. We do feel unworthy sometimes. We know we've missed the mark, and we feel unworthy. But just because you feel that way does not change your position in Christ. Just because you mess up and does not change your position in Christ. And that's why we have to go to 1 John 1, 9 that we just studied. And we have to get cleansed of all unrighteousness in our soul. In other words, our mind and emotions, because our mind and emotions will want to tear us down and bring us under condemnation. And when we're under condemnation, we cannot receive anything from God. Hallelujah, because we're not coming boldly. We're not coming in faith. And, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you don't come in faith, if you, you're not going to get it. You can't come beggarly. You can't come begging. And religion teaches you to beg God too. I know that for a fact because I have read enough Christian fiction that it always, they always say, you know, they'll call somebody and say, well, I've got a problem. Will you pray for me? And she says, well, we just need to beg God. And some of those good Christian people that are, that are, they make a lot of money. I mean, they are pretty famous as far as Christian fiction. I don't know if any of you have ever read any of it, but they're always talking about begging God. But we don't come to Him beggarly. And then you go, no wonder the church doesn't get their prayers answered. Because the Bible says we're to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and help in time of need. Hallelujah. So we have to come. We The Bible talks about uh, not coming to God in an unworthy manner because you know what it really is? It's a slap against the blood. It's a slap against the power of the blood to cleanse us. And we can say, you know, Jesus. what it says is, Jesus, the price you paid, it just wasn't good enough to, 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 to help me. 
And, you know, talking about people, they talk about how, well, we're all just fallen. Well, I'm not fallen anymore. I got unfallen. When I was 10 years old, I got unfallen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, uh, <clears throat> turn to Galatians 4, 7. Just, that's just a, like a back a couple of pages. Galatians 4, 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. Servant. Say, I'm not a servant. You're not a servant of God. You serve Him. We're called to serve Him. But now we don't serve because we are servants. We serve because we love. Hallelujah. We don't serve in order to earn something. We don't serve because we're trying to earn our salvation. But we serve because of love. Just because we love Him. And now we have a desire not only to serve Him, but, to, but really to serve people because of Him. Amen. And so um, it says, there, You are no more a servant but a son. Say, I'm a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. Say, I'm an heir. Hallelujah. So you are not a servant, you are a son, and you are an heir. Turn to uh, Romans 8, 17. So this is a position that we rule and reign from. You, you know, uh, this is what God has made us. No wonder it's called good news. No wonder it's uh, like Andrew Womack says, nearly too good to be true news. Hallelujah. This is, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. In fact, the only way you can wrap yourself around it is by faith. You just have to go there by faith and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't even understand how you could love that much because I know I don't love that much. I know I don't. I was mad at two people yesterday. Not any of y'all in here, so just rest easy. <laughs> not pastor, not pastor. You're in here. It wasn't him. But I was mad at two people enough yesterday that, you know, to have personally wrapped my fingers around their neck. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, you know, but I was just like... I don't know. I was just disgusted. That's a good word. I was just disgusted. Um, so anyway, um, so I know I don't love like him. I want to, and I'm, I'm working on it, and, in his, and by his grace. And I did get before him and say, Lord, you know, I repent for being angry. Because the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And it's like, I ain't going to solve this by being mad. Hallelujah. And my prayers won't be If I'm praying for mad, did you ever pray for mad? Hallelujah. If you're praying for mad, it don't go very far. It doesn't get much done. Because faith worketh by love. Hallelujah. So anyway, um, so I got, I got it right. I had to get, I had to get settled down. Hallelujah. And of course, I got the best husband in the world. You know, he always says, hey, it's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. It's going to work out all right. But you, uh, you know, um, my motivational gift is, uh, well, let me not say that. Um, I am a choleric. If you take that personality test, and the the one thing cholerics like the least in this whole world, and I have watched other cholerics, and this is true, don't take advantage of me. <laughs> they don't like to be taken advantage of, and so in you can anytime I think somebody took advantage of me a little bit, I get real bristly. Hallelujah. And I know, you know, that's not all of you don't have that, but that's me. And, you know, pastor's a good balance for me. 
in that. <laughs> not, all, not, all the, not every time I feel taken advantage of is somebody really trying to take advantage of me, you know. Sometimes it's just situations that take advantage of us. Um, <clears throat> so um, we got this position that we are in Christ. Romans 8, 17, I like this. Oh, it says, uh, and if children, oh, let, let me read 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, the world will tell you, and they sing songs, you know, and, and we're all the whole world. You can just all grab hands and go all around the globe, and we're all the children of God, and that's just not so, is it? You gotta have a, you gotta know from the Bible that the whole world is not the children of God. They're not. They're children of the earth. They're children of the earth and the earth is the Lord's, but they're not children of God because of what Adam did in the garden. But we have a spirit of adoption, it said in the verse before. And we are all, we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So we are heirs of God, we're children of God, and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's really hard to get your mind around because what it's saying is that when you get born again, in God's eyes, you're equal to Jesus. You're not just a, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you're not just an adopted son, but you've been made blood of his blood and bone of his bone by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been, uh, your, the old spirit was ripped out of you and you've been, you're a new creation that he created and we are in God's eyes. I know that's really tough, but we are equal to Jesus in God's eyes. We're his sons. We're his daughters. We're, his, we're the sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. So, uh, this is the position that we get to rule and reign from. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been enthroned with Him. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Our foundation for ruling and reigning. You cannot rule and reign without knowing your foundation. Otherwise, you're just kind of uh, guessing or something. You know, kind of hoping and praying. Just kind of uh, uh, taking your chances. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this will work. You know, but when you know who you are in Christ, you don't think maybe this is going to work. You say, I know this is going to work. You don't think maybe this is going to work out. You know it's going to work out. Ephesians 1.20. Hallelujah. And now let's go up to 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us were to believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him on His right, on, at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things, say all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So, uh, this, uh, we are seated with him in Christ, not in our own strength, but it's in this supernatural power of God, which he raised Christ from the dead with it, with, that it was in the power of his might 
that God seated us in Christ. See, if we try to figure out how we can earn it, how we can get there, but it's not. It's in the power of His might. Ephesians 6.10 says, uh, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's the power of His might. The power of His might. The same power that raised Christ from the dead there. The power of His might. That's how we rule and reign. That's the position that we are seated in, is by the power of His might. I didn't get there on my own. I got there by the power of His might. And I, and it's the power of His might that I'm resting in. I'm not, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't pretend to be powerful on my own, but in Him I am. First uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty seven. I'm already there, so you might even want to turn. For He hath put all things under His feet. Say all things under His feet. But when He saith all things are put on. Put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. He put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so now go to Luke 10 19. All things under his feet. Well, we're the body of Christ, we're in him. Hallelujah. So what is it? All things have been put under our feet in him. Through Christ, by His mighty power that worketh in us. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now this serpents and scorpions there, he Jesus is talking figuratively, although uh, He's not against you taking it literally either. Hallelujah. If you encounter a serpent or a scorpion, go ahead and tread upon them. I'm not saying step on them. I'm saying take your authority. Hallelujah. Over them. I did that. You know, scorpions can be very uh, deadly when they bite you. And one time when we lived in Seminole and we're first getting a hold of this, well, but I knew this scripture and I got put on a long house coat thing and it had been hanging in my closet several months. And out in West Texas, I, we have a lot of scorpions. And so a scorpion had got up in the house coat. And so I sit down in the chair. It bit me three times. Pastor wasn't there. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, huh, <laughs> this is not good. And uh, plus it hurt, you know, and... Uh, so anyway, but I took authority. I said, no, uh, I have power over serpents and scorpions and nothing shall anybody by any means harm me. And I called pastor and he came home and we just took authority over it. And you know, it was just none, it was of none effect. You know, nothing. Hallelujah. And not even any pain. Pain left immediately. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> But, but Jesus was actually speaking figuratively there. And he's talking about Satan and all his demon spirits. I've given you power over to tread upon serpents and uh, scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Say all the power of the enemy. Not just, a, not just part of the power. Not just sometimes you have power over the enemy. But all the power of the enemy. Uh, <clears throat> And, in, and nothing can hurt us as long as we take our stand of authority in Christ. And you know, we don't need to waller around with these things. And five days later, take our authority in Christ after something's gotten a hold of us. In fact, I guarantee you that everything that's wrong in your body and mine right now is because you messed around with it and didn't know who you were and didn't stand up immediately when the first little... 
whatever came, or the first word that came out of the doctor's mouth, hallelujah, praise God. You didn't say no, uh-uh, hallelujah. And we, and we wallow around with something for a month or two. It gets us a hold. And some things in our lives, we've wallowed them out around for 20 years. And then, you know, it, it's not as easy, but you still can get rid of it, grace of God. But the, the anointing has to destroy the yoke and remove the burden when something's got a hold. But when you're, if you're, when it's first just trying to get on you, you just take your authority in Christ and you take your authority if it's been on you six years too and just keep standing. Hallelujah. Okay. <clears throat> so nothing can hurt us as long as we take our stand of authority in Christ. God has made a way for us to walk free in this world. He did not intend for the church to be all beat up and bruised up and, and barely getting by and the devil just whipping the uh, tar out of us. And, uh, you know, he never, he never intended for us to be like that. He wanted us to rule and reign in Christ and to be more than conquerors and to be victorious. He didn't want us to be beat up. But most of the church doesn't even know that we can rule and reign. Or, or if they've heard it, uh, maybe they're not doing it. So, um, so we've been given... A th uh, I need to point this out too. That word power, I give you power. That's the Greek word exousia, and it means authority. And then that word to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, that Greek word for power is dunamis, and it means the strength of the enemy. So you're not stronger than a devil but you have more authority than the devil does. You know, remember the madman of Gadara, how strong he was and no man could, could hold him and he, even chains he was breaking off. And, and I've heard of people even in our day encounter, encountering devils and, and boy, they just are strong. And it took seven men to hold a little girl down that was, you know, 10 years old. I've heard of those stories. I hadn't had that encounter, but heard about it. Well, devils are strong, but you have more authority. You don't have more strength, physical, hallelujah, but you have more authority, hallelujah, praise God. In fact, they don't have any authority. And, uh, <clears throat> but, and so you may not feel powerful, and that makes no difference. And it seems like, you know, how the devil always comes when we don't feel powerful, it seems to me like. Or that's a lot of times when he does. Did you ever feel powerful though? Did you ever just get up and say, praise God, hallelujah. I, hallelujah. I want to tell you something. It didn't mean a thing. It didn't. It meant nothing. It meant no more than the day you felt, got up and said, I feel like a worm. I just, I feel like I couldn't flip a fly. And I don't even want to try. I don't even have, you know. Did I, anybody ever get up a day like that? It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. You still had the same amount of authority. Hallelujah. And when you got up and you were, oh, give me a devil, I feel like whipping something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Better not mess with me today. It didn't mean anything. It was just a feeling. It was just a feeling. And it felt good to feel that way. But it didn't mean a thing. Um. You know, it's kind of like being a policeman. A policeman carries authority. There's something about that uniform and that uh, badge that makes people feel, I mean, it, it carries an authority. And it, it calls, and people around them know it. You know, a 115-pound policewoman can stop an 18-wheeler out here. But that 18-wheeler's stronger in father, as far as physical 
physical strength, but, but she carries authority. Hallelujah. And so that's how we are. We may look wimpy, but the devil knows you carry authority. And he is scared if you ever start using it. And so, you know, uh, we, that's what we want to do is use it. Satan cannot rule over us unless we let him. Number one, through ignorance of our rights and privileges. Well, there isn't nobody in here ignorant of your rights and privileges. Not, not tonight. We don't have any visitors. We don't have anybody that hadn't been here long enough to know your rights and privileges. So Satan can't, you can't use that for an excuse. Well, I'm just ignorant. But number two, he can't rule over us unless we let him through opening the door to him. Now, how could we possibly open the door to the devil? I know we would never intentionally do it, but we could open the door through sin. That's probably not happening in this room. But another way we can open the door is through what we say, which is really just as sin too. But we can open the door to the devil through what we say. And we need to make sure we get a hold and just not say anything we don't want to be. Because he is so, he's so mean. He takes advantage of our words. He takes advantage of our words. And, and we can be opening the door to him and not even really realizing it by, by what we say. And so a lot of times, you know, I think if we would just shut up and not say anything but about 10% of the time. I like to talk. I am a talker. But the more you talk, you know, we need to be, if you're a man of few words, you're not going to mess up as much. That's what Proverbs even says. Hallelujah. And then number three, and this may affect us some, Satan can't rule over us unless we let him through failure to rise up and use what we know we have. Did you ever just not do it even though you knew you were supposed to? And uh, because we went by feelings, just like we just talked about, uh, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 7 in the Moffat translation. Just listen to this. We do discuss wisdom with those who are mature. The King James says perfect. But we do discuss wisdom with those who are mature. Only it is no, not the wisdom of this world or of the dethroned powers who rule this world. It is the mysterious wisdom of God that we discuss, that hidden wisdom which God decreed from all eternity for our glory. The mature, I want first let's talk about the mature. The king, like I said, King James says perfect there. The mature uh, believer is the believer that knows and understands who they are in Christ. If you don't know and understand who you are in Christ, you're not a mature believer. And uh, uh, <clears throat> the mature believer has some insight. Maybe not all insight, but some insight into Satan and demons. You know, there's a lot of believers running around that don't even really know if there is a Satan. And they sure don't. A lot of them don't believe in demons. And they don't believe, they, you know, they're, they, I know they don't think, they think we're taking things too seriously. Like when they go, you know, there's no harm in reading Harry Potter. That's not a big deal. You know, that stuff's not going to hurt you. It's just make-believe and uh, very undiscerning concerning evil things and demons and things that are not uh, good. There's a, I know somebody told me recently that they let their little child spend the night with a friend who's Christian. Their family's Christian. They go to a Christian church and they stayed in their house and there was a Buddha in the house. 
Well, you know, Buddhas are, are decorative now. A lot of people, if you watch the decorating shows on HDTV, they'll put a Buddha in there just for decor. Hallelujah. I'm thinking, you are such an ugly old thing. How, who wants an old fat-bellied? <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, just just not being, just being so undiscerning, so such a lack of sensitivity to spiritual things. Hallelujah. And I, for God graced me, or I don't know, maybe it was, I don't know, sometimes I've thought, but when I was first filled the Spirit, I asked Him to make me sensitive to the Spirit. Well, He did. And you know, I'm very sensitive about, I just like, I, other people go, that's not so bad. And I go, that's bad. That's not good. That's demonic. And I, I, a lot of things to me, I would rather have something that's just like, I'd rather just see a plain old carnal fornication and stuff like that on TV, although I'm not advocating it and I don't really want to see that. But if you, if you made me choose between that and something that's, that's demonic and all that, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't want any of that. I, won't, I, I don't want the other, but I'd rather have the other. Like I've always said, you know, sex is natural to life. It, they may have messed it up and screwed it up and made it awful and all that, but hallelujah, there's not anything natural to life and God does it. You can't drink the cup of demons and the cup of the Spirit at the same time, and, and hallelujah. You won't ever go very far until you deal with those things in your life and you get rid of that witchy stuff, that occult stuff. And a lot of things, you know, it doesn't have to have the word devil on it to be occult and demonic and all those things. Uh, and you're supposed to be ruling over that. And you can't play around with devils and then rule over them and say, get out of this house, sickness, get off of my baby. You can't play around with devils and then, and then expect to rule over devils. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, so, uh, insight, that, that's a mature Christian that has insight into that. Really, you know, is discerning and pray to be discerning. And he calls them the dethroned powers, the Moffat does. The dethroned. You know, the devil and his demons have been dethroned. Jesus did that. But he says here, I notice he said, the dethroned powers who rule this world. It seems like if they were dethroned, they couldn't rule this world. But you know they are ruling this world. And then he talks about the wisdom of God. And the wisdom he's talking about there that's been hidden through the ages was that God was going to get a church. He was going to, through Christ, he, he, Jesus was going to go to the cross and the church was going to be born and God was going to destroy the works of the devil that happened in the garden in Adam. He was going to destroy that, that death and that death that dwelt in man. And he did that through Jesus. And that was a mystery that was hidden down through the ages and that the church was going to be birthed and was going to rise up and rule and reign over the devil. That was a mystery. Hallelujah. And you know what? Nobody understands that even now except the church. And that's just the ones that have uh, applied themselves to the Word of God. It's a mystery. You know, if you walked out on the street and, and said, are you a Christian? Hello. I, I, oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad you're a Christian. Did you know I rule and reign over devils? They would back away from you, most Christians, and think you are weird. Hallelujah. But it's true. It's true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in fact, uh, 
they don't even like to think that there that there might be a devil around us. But Brother Hagin used to say, if your eyes weren't holding, you would see that there's devils in the air all around you. I'm glad my eyes are holding. Hallelujah. Don't want to see it. Hallelujah. But you know, that's also our eyes are holding. That's why we don't see angels. If we saw all that, it would be, I think it'd be blessing in one way because there'd be more for us than it'd be against us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> we don't fight the devil. We just enforce his defeat. Uh, Satan is already conquered and demons are already conquered. But we do have to stand our ground with the Word of God. Ephesians 6.11, we're going to stop pretty soon because I want us to pray tonight. Praying in tongues will make you more sensitive, not only to God, but you'll, you'll know some things. You'll know some things. You'll, you'll know things to say. You'll be led more about what to say and how to say it because one of the things we don't ever want to do is just go out in the flesh and start resisting things and stuff. We need to consult the Holy Ghost. And say, okay, Lord, and you can consult the Holy Ghost quickly and say, Lord, what do I need to say here? What do I need to do? How do I need to phrase this? Hallelujah. Instead of just starting with your, your spiritual machine gun and just, I don't know what devil it is, but I'm just going to call every name I can think of and I'm just going to pound the skies with, with, uh, you know, hallelujah. We need direction. Hallelujah. In our standing. Ephesians 6.11, that's not the right scripture. Yeah, it is. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? Well, I can tell you the wiles of the devil is deception. The devil tries to trick us. The devil, is he, he knows he doesn't have the authority we have. He knows we can whoop him every day of the week with authority in the name of Jesus and the Word of God. Jesus already whipped him with the Word of God in the, uh, on, and when he went into the wilderness. But uh, he tries to trick us with our eyes. He tries to, he calls attention to say, notice that. Notice that, you know. Look in your billfold and say, oh, look, you look, look at your checkbook. He tries to, uh, he tries to make us think also that he's in control. That's one of the wiles of the devil. He tries to make us think he's winning. He tries to make us think it's not working. He tries to cause us to doubt the word. He tries to cause us to doubt our own faith. And say, you know, I, I don't think it's working. I believed I received when I prayed, but I don't think it's working. I know I, when I was younger, I would think, oh, did I pray that right? Did I say it just like I should have said it? And I would just wart over that, you know, worrying wart. Um, he cries to cause us to doubt God, you know, uh, to question God. Well, you know, I don't know if, but maybe God this time is really, I've heard myself and I've heard other people say this, like, uh, well, I know God heals, but maybe this time he really didn't want me to go on that trip. So he really caused me to have a cold so that I know I couldn't. Did you ever, I did, I have, I've actually in my younger years thought, I don't want to go I, I hope God gives me something, you know. And I did before I knew God couldn't give me anything, hallelujah, which really opens the door to the devil to give you something. You know, uh, instead of just getting in faith and overcoming, you know, 
question to the the wiles of the devil is to cause you to question the word. Maybe it doesn't really mean that. Maybe it's just spiritual healing. Or or maybe, you know, or he also he tries to cause us to doubt what God has told told us personally. You know, so sometimes that's a good reason not to tell anybody what God's told you personally because the devil will listen and then he'll fight you on it. And so the, remember Mary pondered those things in her heart. Sometimes you need to hold it a long time. That something God's told you about your call, something God's told you that just hold it in your heart. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell everything you see in the spirit realm. Don't tell everything you hear. Wait till God releases you to tell. I'm holding something right now that I've been holding a long time and I hadn't even told pastor. I just didn't, I, you know, that even if, the, if it's something to do with healing sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to go out and tell what great thing God has done for you. But sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut and praise God. Just, and you know, and, and not tell, not testify yet. And, and not because you are free, not out of fear that you will lose it, but out of wisdom that you don't let devil, the devil steal something God has given you. And then when God tells you to testify, then go ahead and testify. But a lot of times we just need to keep our mouth shut and just ponder it in our heart and let it get us, let us get established in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the devil, so you can, like if God speaks to you to go, go somewhere or do something, if you will let it get established in your heart first until you know that you know that you know, then when you announce it, it's not going to be the devil fighting you on it. Did I make a wrong decision? Did I, you know, should I really be doing this? Should I really have stepped out there in faith? No, you ponder it and you, you know, but we don't want to be... uh procrastinators either and not act when sometimes we have to act quickly in faith obviously but there's sometimes when when the, when there's something you know and God always tells us in plenty of time if God's telling you to do something major in your life he's not going to expect you to have it done by the weekend or for you to announce it and pack your car by the weekend he's going to give you some time to establish it as truth because it sometimes what sound you know sometimes I have an idea and I will think about it and by the next day I go mm -mm, that just don't fit right in my spirit you got to take a while to see if it fits. And even by the next day, uh, you know, sometimes it still seems right. But I've missed it on that. When I didn't, when I acted too quickly and didn't take the time. Hallelujah. There's no, Brother Hagen said, he used to teach us, I, I would rather be behind because you'll be following God even if you're behind than to be too far out ahead because then you can't even see God. He's somewhere behind you. Hallelujah. So better to, to, and you know, I will pray like this. I'll say, Lord, you know, uh, I, I, I gotta have some time on this. And I know you gave me plenty of time to know. And I have prayed that way before. And sometimes if it's something like, well, I want to buy this car or I want to buy this house, I put a hold on it in the spirit. I'll say, now, Lord, if that's the house, I've prayed this before. You hold that for us. It won't sell until we hear from, have time to hear from God. Because I can't hear from God in one day on whether that's the house. Hallelujah. So you can put a hold on things in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's close with that.
we're not through completely, but we can close. I think we got some, with our position and our foundation for ruling and reigning. Thank you, Lord. Let me just finish one thing. Y'all are zipping up. Go ahead and zip. But, uh, because I was right in the middle of that. The wiles of the devil. He, the devil will fight you in your mind until you finally say it with your mouth. He wants you to say it with your mouth. Because once you say it with your mouth, he can, he has a legal right. When is, oh, that's scary, isn't it? But until you say it, hallelujah, it's just a symptom. Now I'm not saying don't even, I'm saying, uh, if the doctor says diabetes, you don't have to say it. And you can say it in a way, I've said things like this before, not concerning diabetes, but we'll just use that as an example. I've said, well, the doctor says, hallelujah. But I'm not going to say it. But when once you start saying, my diabetes, oh, my word. Oh, my word. Oh, Jesus. And we will never get you healed as long as you're saying that. It won't happen. It will not happen. As long as you're saying, my arthritis is acting up, it's yours. You said, it's mine. Oh, hallelujah. And I know we've all slipped and said things like that, but boy, I tell you, I really try to, when I slip and say something, I really repent and I renounce the words. And I say, Lord, I don't receive that. I don't even receive what I said. And I, I, I call those words null and void in Jesus' name. And then I change what I'm saying right then. By your stripes I was healed. Hallelujah. So we don't, we, these are wiles. He tricks us. He tricks us into saying it. And he will use people. Oh, that's why it's so good not to tell your kinfolks what's wrong with you. Cause they're the worst. Oh, but, but how are you really feeling? And what did the doctor say about your, you know, and, uh, and then they have a million suggestions. Well, why don't you go to the Mayo Clinic? And why don't you, and why don't you, and I heard about somebody and that had this kind of surgery on it. And, you know, and you got, it's not that, it, you know, you may not ever do any of those things. You may not buy into it, but you got to deal with all of it. And, you know, people, somebody was asking me about that. Well, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And, oh, uh, what are you doing about it? And I said, you know what? I'm just believing God and dealing with it. Hallelujah. And uh, sometimes you just got to say, you know, I have, I have actually wanted to say before, you know, I don't need a doctor. I have one. I have a little aunt and her, her she don't, I don't think she really loves this, but the family calls her Granny Clampett. Because she's always got a remedy, you know, a little home remedy or something for everything you got wrong with you. Hallelujah. Praise God. So don't tell Granny Clampett if you've got one. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up together and let's pray.